For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is your weekly Sacramento Kings podcast for Kings fans, by Kings fans. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ziggy's Smoke Shop. You can follow Ziggy's on Instagram at ziggies.stockton. They have locations in Stockton and Tracy. We are coming off of episode 131, where Ryan and I have came in and talked about the importance of this stretch of the season for the Kings. It's been a big topic on Kingsland and here on Kingscast. We look forward to being back today for episode 132. If you're looking for any of our past episodes, you can always find those streaming on the Believe Podcast Network or wherever you get your podcast. Bringing in my co-host today, as always, Ryan, what's good? What is good, everybody? just want to start off the episode by saying I am currently, this is, Actually, this is our first uh, out of California podcast, Eric. I am currently in the land of enchantment, Albuquerque, New Mexico, uh, in all its glory out here. It is it's an absolute shithole. I just want to say, let everybody know about that. Albuquerque, New Mexico is a bad place to be at. I'm here for work for a few weeks. Um, so a little bit of change of pace from what we're doing. I am doing this podcast in the Courtyard Marriott, downtown Albuquerque. So uh you know little different this is the first time i've ever done a podcast outside of my nice little safe confined home uh back in california so uh you know see how this goes it's been a crazy week with sports i'll just start off by saying i did not watch the kings beat the shit out of orlando magic last night i was watching georgia beat the shit out of tcu in the national championship which was uh the worst championship game i have ever seen any sport uh in the history of my life so um yeah man other than that you know it's you know been a been a crazy week i've been super busy kind of all over the place but i'm really looking forward to talking kings basketball with you uh, i think tomorrow night we got the rockets at home and then i think it's friday the rockets are home again so good kings basketball coming up for the rest of the week I have to correct you. Actually, not our first out-of-state podcast. I actually did announce the first out-of-state podcast last summer. If you remember, I was in Seattle during draft the draft day, and I hopped on and, and we did a uh, we did an episode when I was when I was traveling. Weird. I I don't remember that. I must have been uh, drinking heavily as usual. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I don't remember that. But okay, whatever. Um, yeah. 
second out-of-state podcast, but I got you beat, man. At least you had the scenery in Seattle. For those of you who I, – I was actually stationed in Albuquerque, New Mexico back in uh, 2012, 2013, so it's been 10 years since I've been here. Um, it's an absolute shithole. There is no sightseeing. <laughs> this place has got to be one of the worst places in America. So if we have any listeners from New Mexico, specifically Albuquerque, Albuquerque, you know what I'm talking about. It's an absolute shithole. Um, so I think I have you beat there. Uh, I have to put the deadbolt on my door, put the latch on, make sure there's nothing in my vehicle, um, lock my vehicle. And if I could, I'd put a, a, a nice padlock on the outside just to keep people from breaking in. So, um, yeah, man, it, it's pretty crazy out here. But let, let's go. Kings basketball. Enough of Albuquerque. Well, I was going to say, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is, isn't that where they filmed Breaking Bad? Did they film Breaking Bad there? Yes, yes. And, okay, so there are signs everywhere that tell you Breaking Bad was filmed here. It's the only thing they got going for them. That's it, All right? It, it's, in, I'm telling you, you have to see it to believe it. But this place is one of the most unique, craziest, dull Places I've ever been to, man. I've been all over the world, guys. Okay, I was in the military. I was stationed in Europe for three and a half years. I lived here in Albuquerque for a while. I've been Texas, Florida, uh, all over the map. Been in the South. Albuquerque, New Mexico has them all beat. The only good thing that ever came from here was uh, Green Chili, Breaking Bad, and Tony Snell. <laughs> yeah, Tony Snell is funny. Well, yeah, I just bring that up because it's just like, yeah, meth, meth, a whole show based on meth and just, just degenerates. Um, speaking of travel, a little more pleasant for me. Next week, I'm traveling to uh, Park City, Utah. So I'll be out in Utah. I, I actually bought tickets. And I'm going to be going to Utah Jazz Brooklyn Nets game. Nice little lower level in Salt Lake City. Uh, fat buddy, you know what the bummer, though, is I found out uh, today Kevin Durant's going to be out for the next month. So I bought these tickets thinking I'm going to go watch the Nets and Kevin Durant. And uh, that didn't happen. So, um, which is kind of, I mean, we did see him earlier this year though uh right i think i didn't i go i think i went earlier maybe you didn't go to the you game did. with me. i did not go to the nets game yeah i okay. mean we've, we've seen durant hey, you're gonna be able to see Kyrie. you're gonna be able to see ben simmons that's really cool um it sounds like your uh your trip's gonna be a little more religious um eric's going to utah to convert to mormonism is that <laughs> is that a <laughs> yeah i'm gonna make the trip back to the motherland yes. dude yes yes so he's gonna go uh convert and uh when he comes back king's cast We'll no longer be cussing, and we will not be drinking on the podcast anymore. So, uh, this is this might be the last one, fellas. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, hey, so I wanted before we get into it though, I didn't forget a player today. And last week, you're going to have to help me out because I hit you with the most random player. Do you remember who David it was? We- David Wesley? Okay. So, so I didn't tell you this, Eric. Uh, so me and Eric have a uh, a huge collection of cards, and we were talking specifically from the 80s and 90s, all sports, basketball, football, hockey, baseball. Uh, a couple days after Eric hit me with the David Wesley uh, random player, dude, I pull out David Wesley's rookie card in all of this uh, cards that I was going through. I'm trying to sort them all out. And I was, I just thought it was hilarious. I was looking through that and I'm like, oh man, dude, this was a, this is wild. So uh, I didn't tell you about that, but it was, it was cool. Yeah, what chance, huh? So if you if you don't know, this is the game where we break in the episode to get the conversation going, where I give Ryan a random player from our childhood based on their bio, and Ryan has to guess a player. He is about 90% on these, so give it to him. Um, okay, Ryan, 
This one's going to be interesting. Um, okay, this player, he is far retired. He's, he's an older player, 57 years old now. So just give you the context of old he is. Okay, he's five foot 11, 185 pounds. So you need to know his weight. He was undrafted. Okay, the college is going to be of no help. Southern. I don't even know what fucking Southern is. I've never heard of Southern. I know a lot. Undrafted and 88 point guard. Uh, his teams are long and extensive. Okay. Seattle Supersonics and 88 to 90. Denver Nuggets, 90. Spurs, and 91. Rockets, 92. Spurs, 92, 93. Golden State Warriors, 93, 94. Spurs again. This is where you're going to know them from. The big bulk. 94 to 01. San Antonio Spurs. Denver Nuggets, 01-02-02-03. Dallas Mavericks finishes his career with the Golden State Warriors. NBA champion in 1999 point guard. His number six is retired by the Spurs. It better be. You have three stints there in your career. It better be retired. Uh, do you know who this player is? Eight Avery, points a game. Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson. There you go. That's a good get. Avery Johnson, yeah. Yeah, I, I for those who are listening, uh, I had it before you said the number six retired by the Spurs. That was giving a lot of information right there, uh, but yeah, Avery Johnson. That's a that's a solid one. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah coach I, of the, coach coach of the year, Avery Johnson. Yeah, two thousand six. <laughs> uh, bonus yeah. points if you can name which team he he was. Yeah, uh, Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, there you go. So you know, Ryan, uh, that I thought it might be tough. I wasn't sure just because the randomness of it, but you know, you always come through. So there if, you go. If, if I'm not mistaken, Dallas Mavericks that year, sixty one and twenty one, were the number one seed. And they lost. That was the We Believe team, correct? Is that is is was he the coach of the Dallas Mavericks with the We Believe Golden State team that beat them? I I that might be accurate, man. Just little bonus right. points. Yeah, I'll have we'll have to look at that. Um, all right, you want to go? Let's go into the Kings talk, Ryan. So since our last episode, which is right at the new year, we didn't record last week, and sometimes when we go to record, we kind of try to find gaps in between games. We don't like to record on game nights because I feel like. You know that. So just to explain it, you know, I don't. I don't like to record on game nights because sometimes the conversation, you know, quarter of the episode is about the game current. And it's not really, you know, going on. Uh, so we try to time our episodes. I want to say since the last uh, po- podcast, the, you know, let's summarize. I guess the last conversation, and I did it in the intro. A lot of the conversation that we've had lately. Uh, which is just the importance of this stretch of the season after Christmas. So I I look at the NBA season kind of in a couple phases, Ryan. You could tell me what you think of it. Like initially, you just want to get get hit the ground running and not fall behind. That's kind of up until early December. Then in December, you kind of want to not be injured. You want to have to create a nice buffer for yourself, and then at that point, you want to kind of be competing, going on a little bit of runs. Once you get to Christmas, you really want to be in a, in a position where you're in a bit of contention because really, I think the most important stretch is Christmas to the All Star break. That is where teams like uh, you know there's there's a lot of like false inflation in the standings early in the seasons, and teams drop off after that point. You can sustain it and fake success for a period of time, but you can't do it for too long. And I really feel like the end of December is that time where the fakers become, you know, evident and they start to fall off. Teams start to separate themselves. So as you, if you can shred water up until the all-star break, you know, teams start to become sellers. They start to give away players, teams sustain injuries, so on, so forth. And so that's kind of where we're at right now. A good example would be if you recall early in the season, the Utah jazz were a team that was, 
number one in the standings in the first month. Look what they're at now. Um, so that's just, just kind of my, my point. So that's why I look at the phase to this point for the Kings. And I think they've done a good job of not being injured, going on a little bit of run, sustaining some success. And now they're stuck in this part where I'm talking about where they're in contention. So I, they're kind of ideally where you want to be as you're navigating an NBA season. Um, do you think I missed anything there? Or I'm off anything in, in, on what I'm looking at? No, I think that's accurate, man. We've came on here multiple times and, and told you, or and talked about um you know beginning of the season and getting to christmas and um you know the multiple seasons within the season and all that and uh no i i, I really think that's spot on um so all right i gotta change pace real quick Eric, because i have to talk about this on the podcast and i completely forgot up until this point uh because i was catching a lot of shit in kingsland guys i participated in the half court or in, on on the on court uh drunk layup thing couple weeks ago and what's what sparked my memory on this eric was the utah thing um and i completely disgraced kingsland i, I completely disgraced king's cast as a whole so uh i just wanted to acknowledge that they gave me those drunk goggles i couldn't see shit i missed completely the, this kid completely destroyed me so i am embarrassed by it and i just wanted to throw that out there um uh, for kingsland and the king's cast listeners and just kind of acknowledge that before we moved on eric well, and you kind of didn't ex- explain it too well there. You got <laughs> you you got selected to participate on an all on court game or game during the game. That's yes. that's what you did. Yes, yes. And you and lost. I, and I lost. And I lost. I was assuming. I mean, the people who were giving me shit were currently at the game, and they saw what happened. So I was assuming that they already uh, they knew that. But I just wanted to acknowledge the L that I took on uh, in front of seventeen thousand people. So. That is a uh, that is very big of you. I should have should have posted that on Kingsland. You know, I missed the boat on that, but um, that was let's talk. That was a fun game, dude. That was probably the that might have been the best game that I've been to all year. So that was the Utah Jazz game um, about a week ago, I think. I don't know. I don't have my dates. Not a little up. longer than that. Was it after? It was after the New Year. Man, was it after the New Year? Shit, that yeah, might have been before it, the New Year. Yeah, it was exactly a week ago from. Uh, tonight actually so there we go that's because that's why we didn't record last week we didn't go to the i'm looking at the same we did we did we oh, didn't okay. record during that day because we were going to that game so that game was fun because we got there and we got upgraded by the season ticket rep we sat pretty low which was awesome you know it was cool to sit uh you know center court couple rows up it was it was just a cool experience we actually sat behind monty mcnair uh ryan wouldn't go say anything to him um I told him to Ryan's like, nah, man, I don't know. No, I want I, I, he, he was with his kids. And that's, that's one thing We're we're grown men, bro. You know what I mean? We're, we're grown men and we're not going to go, uh, we're, we're not going to go to say something to, to a guy when he's with his kids. But, um, if he wasn't, I would have said something. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. That game actually was not exactly a week ago. They played Utah in Utah a week ago. That game oh, was December, right. December 30th. Um, Kings Kings won one twenty six one twenty five. Herder hit the late the late three. Um, you're right. I we're grown, man. I'm not gonna go talk to Monty McNair. But if I would have won, right? If I would have won the drunk challenge, I was going to walk right past Monty McNair and tell him to sign me to a ten day. And just just I we did talk about that, but unfortunately, I freaking. I'm way past my prime. I had those drunk goggles on and I I completely embarrassed myself. So I thought walking past him and, and saying the 10 day thing would have just further 
furthered my embarrassment, so I so I held back. You definitely would have got kicked off the podcast, and you're right. I I just can't. I'm getting confused by all these uh, dubs that we're having against the, yeah. the, the, the the Jazz. I look at the standings. I say, oh, Jazz win. Uh, yeah. You know what's funny too is uh, if you remember, if I thought it was funny for the listeners, like they came up and they were like they specifically told you because you had a beer in your hand. This is pregame. They're like, you know, you want to do the game. They explain the game, and then the the lady tells Ryan. Uh, well, you know, just just don't be drunk. And I'm like, well, if he's drunk, he doesn't need to wear the goggles in, right? You know, he's good to go. You know, one thing I was telling people, because I had a buddy at work uh, who, I, I guess it was on TV. This, my buddy at work had texted me, and he's like, oh, better luck next time. And so we're at work a couple of days later, and I'm explaining to him, I'm like, dude, those drunk goggles, it's not like you're drunk, okay? As you guys know, I come on the podcast, and I'm constantly drinking on the podcast. It's kind of my thing. I really enjoy drinking on the podcast, talking about Kings basketball. So I'm probably drunk more than the average human. Okay. I can play basketball drunk. That is 100% for sure. I've done it plenty of times. I play a lot of basketball. Those drunk goggles do not reflect an actual drunk person. When I put those goggles on, I was seeing like 10 of the hoops. It was, it was wild. It was not an actual uh, representation of being drunk. So um, I thought that was BS, and I did let the Sacramento Kings staff know that. Um, I did tell them I took the goggles off. I was like, look, I've been drinking. Okay, this is not a representation of a person drinking. So I did make that known while I was standing in the tunnel to the Sacramento Kings staff. Well, those goggles are used to deter kids. They like the CHP, they go out and they they do they set up like little courses and they don't drink or drive, man, or this is how it is. Yeah. You know, which yes. hey man, you should never drink or drive. I'm I'm 100%. totally against drinking and driving, so I'm not trying to say that. But it's it's kind of like exaggerated. Like those old commercials when they're like when the when the girl's high and she's just melting. Like, uh, yeah, dude, I don't know if that's exactly how it works, but you know, okay, it's just a little exaggerated. But that that's kind of what it was. It was like ten hoops. Come on, dude, you had one beer, ten hoops. Like, come on. Yeah, it was. Uh, it it was so bad. It was so dramatic. The effects from the goggles. Um that I was calling bullshit. And I told the lady, I was like, you know, if this is how it's going to be, I, I actually told her, I was like, I don't know if I want to compete in this. There was a guy in the stands next to me um, that I was trying to, he was like, is it that bad? And I was handing the goggles to people in the stands next to me while I was standing in the tunnel just so they could see how ridiculous these goggles were. Um, I guess it sounds like I'm making a bunch of excuses, but I did. It does. Get real, yeah. it, does it does. I did get really nauseous after like it, the goggles were so bad. It made me sick, man. I, I remember telling you in the when we we're saying the stands of how ridiculous that was, but let's move forward. Yeah, I was going to say we probably should move forward. Everyone's going to think you're just more of a bitch than you were, are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is what it is. What no, it's fine. You know what? I, last thing I'll say is like, hey, I I got the opportunity once to shoot. I've told on the podcast, but I I got to shoot the half court shot once, and so um, you know, the cool thing about being doing it is, you know, it, Ryan, that was a packed game and that and i we kind of went off on a tangent but that was going to say about it being the funnest game we were at is that the arena is fucking wild right now and that's what's cool when you get to go on court in the middle of a game you get to feel that energy in a different way man would you kind of feel that it it was one of the cooler experiences um when i when i initially went down there uh i remember telling myself like all right kind of just look around and kind of Soak it in. It sounds cheesy, but soak it in and, and see what it's like being down there. Uh, it's ridiculous, man, how many fans were there. I At one point, I, I was staying at the free throw line opposite of the hoop that we were running towards, and I did a full circle, and I just tried to look up and see 
and experience what players saw while they were while they were running down the court and uh, that got cut short because standing directly like next to me within two arms length was Leandro Barbosa and Doug Christie. And that was, you know, they were talking, it was, uh, you know, it was like stopping obviously a timeout or whatever it was. And they were game planning, kind of talking about some strategy and stuff. And I kind of stopped and looked at those two and, you know, Doug Christie kind of looked at me and I thought about freaking saying something, but I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, ruin anything, but, um, that was a very, a, a really cool experience. Something that, um, you know, probably never experience again being a packed house in a crazy game like that so uh really cool regardless that i sucked it was one of the cooler experiences um that i've had being a a kings fan yeah that's why that's why i bring it up because i got to do it and it's 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 pretty cool but uh that's kind of where uh the energy is at the arena right now and i bring it up on the podcast because we get to we get the opportunity to go to a lot of games and we have for years and years and years now, and not everybody gets. A, we, you, Ryan, I was. We were talking about if we had any listeners in New Mexico, and I, one thing I was going to say at the time is like, you know, believe it or not, a, a lot of people listen to Kings Cast. I don't know, I can't believe it. I don't know why. I don't know how. I don't know who. And we've brought that up, but uh, I get the, uh, I get the metrics sent to us. Okay, from from believe we're registered on that, and we do we have we have listeners in like Brazil and Argentina and Australia. Um, a couple Asian countries, like it's kind of weird, dude. People listen to us from from different areas, and then different parts of the country, uh, obviously. And so, uh, my point is, is from that, and then people that participate on Kingsland, a lot of people don't get to go to the games. They didn't get to see the beam that with the beam, the energy, the whole deal. It's just it's different in there. You were talking about before you went on the podcast how tickets. Anytime you sell this your season tickets, like they they move quickly right now. It's crazy. The place is packed. It's it's nuts. Um, and that's, you know, we don't talk about that aspect of it all the time, but that's, what's really funny. It's gotten pretty dull out there for a lot of years. I know the end of last year was rough. You couldn't sell tickets. Honestly, you couldn't even sell them. You didn't want to be there, but energy's right. And then mostly it's because the team's right. So that's where the team is right now. The, the Kings are, are, uh, they have, they've done, I don't know. This last week didn't go as well, I guess, since is if we want to, since we last recorded Ryan, the Kings, um, I guess let's do this. They they have one. They are two and three in their last five, and so um, that's I think one of those both those games that they did lose to the Hawks and the Lakers were pretty close, and I think that uh, there's some questionable there's some questionable stuff in that Lakers game that kind of pissed a lot of people off, but nothing nothing bad. I mean, not getting blown out. I think one of the issues that I have with the Kings is that they haven't um been blowing teams out and so I guess that's why last night against the magic was 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 a good watch. Um so I don't know that they're just kinda it's kind of the up and downs of the season. You know, it kind of ebbs and flows. You can't go on losing streaks. And that's if anything, that's what the Kings are doing right. They're not going on losing losing streaks. Their biggest ones in the season I think are they've had two uh losing streaks tied for three losses in a row, which um, you know, I the years past nine nine game losses and stuff like uh, none of that, and I don't foresee that. And then the schedule coming up, you know, Rockets, Rockets, Spurs. So I don't know. I guess where the Kings are at overall, playing well overall. Let's talk about some of the holes. Let's talk about where that because I think you have some things to say. Biggest negative thing that's going around now is the obvious one, which is defense, which we don't do game breakdown, but the Kings don't play great defense. I don't know. It is what it is. I, I don't know how they're going to change that, dude. 
Uh, I, I think it's personnel, right? Like defense, when you when you talk about it, at the end of the day, um, you know, you can be a quote-unquote defensive line coach like Mike Brown. And they have shown improvements, obviously, on the defensive end this season. Um, but let's be real. Again, at the end of the day, personnel is going to be what changes that. Um, the Kings lack a rim protector. Specifically, um, they're deficient when DeMontis Sabonis isn't out there. And I know DeMontis Sabonis isn't known as a defender, um, but when he's out there, they're they're worse. Uh, or excuse me, when he's not out there, they are worse. So they are lacking a rim protector, specifically a, a backup big man, and then overall length. Um, there's times when it's Davion Mitchell, it's Malik Monk out there, um, it's Keegan Murray, it's Sabonis, and then maybe maybe Harrison Barnes. That's a, a relatively small lineup. And I think for Sacramento to get better on the defensive end, it, it's personnel. Hence why they probably signed P.J. Dozier today to a 10-day contract. Guy's a, a, a backup ball handler. He's got the length. Um, he's someone that I think they think uh, can come in and provide a little bit of versatility specifically um, on the defensive end. So um, I think that's what we're trending towards. We are creeping closer and closer to the trade deadline. And I think Sacramento, obviously, uh, Monty McNair realizes and recognizes the deficiencies on the roster. And I think that's what they're going to go towards. I think they're trending towards, um, you know, replacing those deficiencies specifically with length and defense. The difficult part about an NBA roster is that you only have so many players and moves moves only get made at certain points of the year. And you can't really just like, unlike the NFL, you can't just like scheme up certain stuff and, you know, decide one day we're going to be all this. We're going to be all defense. We're going to be all, you know, it, it, it doesn't really work the way. Like you said, it, it relies heavily, heavily, heavily on personnel. Um, I think secondly, matchups too. And then, uh, you know, and then also obviously offensive game, defensive game affects affects each other, right? And and so that's something I was listening to the broadcast because I, you know, like I said, I don't like to be the play breakdown guy, you know, but that's one thing they've been talking about a lot in broadcasts. And I thought to bring it on here is that the the Kings do score uh, consistently, you know, really high up. Their offense is really high up there, and so uh, there is that, and and you know, it just shows that they're able to they're able to win games. On that, and th- and that's why you see them get into these matchups occasionally, where they they can kind of run run teams and and they match. They're a tough matchup for certain teams. We talk about some of the bigger kind of slower teams that maybe don't have the length, and that's why the Nuggets. When we talked last time, we're like, yeah, the Nuggets are a team to match up against. I actually like the matchup against the Lakers, although they fumbled that the other night. Um, but then I think that's why they have a tough time against teams who can play some defense and score. You know, like. And that, and on, that's what it's going to take if you really want to be in that in that top part of the Western Conference. Then honestly, come playoff time, and so with what's on the roster, it's there is not a solution. And we we said that at the beginning of the season, like the solution might just not be there. So they they do focus on the strengths, I guess. And the good thing is, is the conversation brewing around right now amongst Kingsland is like, what are the p- pieces that are going to be uh, up for movement? Okay, and I wanted to bring some of those uh, through you real quick, Ryan. And I'm not going to focus specifically on players yet because I'm going to hit I'm going to hit our guy Vignesh, who uh, we've listened to the podcast. We brought up his takes on here, so shout out you, Vignesh. But he made a post in Kingsland I didn't necessarily agree with today, and um, 
you know, I think a lot of people out there share this sentiment, but I just bring it up and not to pick on him, but just more just uh, the take. And uh, he says picks aren't options in trade packages. Like the Kings shouldn't move picks and that they aren't going to move Mitchell or Monk. And I agree, they're not going to move Monk, but I do think they can move Mitchell. And and he says they they would have to move Barnes um, and that... Keegan would move into that role. And so he, he kind of goes into that without reading the whole post. And, and I've seen other people make this take as well. Like certain guys are, I'm not going to say untouchable because that's not what people are saying. I'm not putting words in people's mouths, but they're, if they're not going to move player here, player there, I think they would move Mitchell and I think they would move picks. And I think that now that trade season is among us, uh, I, I would like to put it out there, Ryan, that, you know, for the listeners that we can talk about and that, Picks, even though they're they're further out, they're in the teens, they're valuable. Because you know what? Most picks that are traded are lottery protected, top 10 protected, or top five protected anyway. So you have that. And then there's a lot of value when it comes into contract matching and contract absorption. So if you're able to, if a team has a player that makes 20, 22 million, and the Kings can give up two players, one, uh, one of them Holmes, one of them a pick, and then one of them is a Mitchell who are younger and has potential but cost less and break up a larger contract. Like That stuff is of value in the trade time, and I think all of it should be of consideration. All of it should be of consideration if of value. You know, you know what I mean? So I wanted to kind of start it off by that on the, the assets and, and hear your take, I guess, when it comes to these things. So I, I think with what specifically what Vignesh was talking about, because I, I remember reading the tweet earlier on today um, about that. And what he's talking about, the the pick being further out, uh, I think it has to do with the protections and the Kings can't trade a first round pick. I can't remember. I, I don't remember. Is it 2026? Oh, is that, is that what he means? And if I think, that's what he means, I think, that I think might that's be good. What he, I think that's what he was referencing when he said that the pick was further out. Um, there, there's. I got to go back. I got to go back and look. I haven't done my trade deadlines homework like I should have already. Like I said, I'm freaking in a hotel right now in Albuquerque uh, for work. But uh, I think that's what he was referencing. It was the pick was further out as in years, not in uh, pick, you know, position for this coming up season um that makes let me let me clarify that then that makes a lot more sense on his reply and that i think what it is is the herder trade was part of that and and you're right it's 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 with it's with atlanta and it's with how uh they they can change that there's ways around that um that it's really not too hard um but uh, let's talk about assets okay Davion Mitchell's 100% a movable asset. All right. And I, and I want to talk about him specifically because um, people have, and I know you don't want to, you don't want to put words in people's mouth with saying untouchable, but people have this, this mindset that Davion Mitchell is quote unquote, almost untouchable. And people talked about it last year about how he's part of the, the core moving forward. Um, I think Davion Mitchell is movable because of it. First off his age in the position that he plays. All right. Um, I understand that he's a, a a really good, if not great perimeter defender, but keep in mind, Davion Mitchell's six foot one, right? Keep in mind, Davion Mitchell is playing the same position as your franchise cornerstone, right? So if you were able to move a guy with a little bit of potential um, and upgrade a, a huge deficiency for Sacramento, which is length, right? Um, I think you do that. So a lot of people I've been seeing tweeting out about don't move Davion Mitchell. He's our best. You know, I, I saw a tweet today that was people are saying that we need 
uh, more defense, but then they're including Davion Mitchell in those trade scenarios. And I think what people who are including Davion Mitchell in those trade scenarios are getting at is his he's six foot one, right? Like he's a he's a point guard who's playing you know, less than 20 minutes a night because your franchise cornerstone plays the same position. So if you can upgrade another position um, and add in a few picks and and bring back a, an all-star or a young um, three and D guy, I think Sacramento moved towards that. Um, it's further, you know, farther going into trade assets. I think Terrence Davis is completely out of the rotation. I don't completely agree with it, but I think he's a, he's an asset coming up to the trade deadline. And then you talked about matching contracts. Um, your your prime candidate for that is is Rashawn Holmes. You know he just signed that extension for uh, I think two years past this year or three years past this year. I can't remember at the moment, but um, that is a really good candidate to match can to match contracts and bring in another player um, to help Sacramento out. And then we all know Harrison Barnes with the expiring contract, who I. Earlier on in the season, a podcast said that I thought that he was a trade candidate. I don't think they do it now. I think he's too important to the, what this team's doing, and I think this is kind of a playoff or bust season for Sacramento. Um, I don't see Harrison Barnes being moved, but the Rashawn Holmes, Terrence Davis picks, and then especially Davion Mitchell, um, I, I would really pay attention to uh, moving in the next few weeks towards the trade deadline. I think that that's a that's a that was a great way to bring it all together, and. I still even think, though, that if the Kings had to move future pick, even if it, you know, whatever the protection, whatever the years, I still think that is that is valuable because when teams move off of when they get tired of guys or they've moved past a guy and they go to move them, typically it's a rebuild situation. So if you're the the quickest, it, okay, if I'm a bad team, what I'm doing is I'm absorbing whatever contracts I I can get and giving up whatever good players I have and acquiring picks. Because what you're doing is you're pushing your rebuild two to three years down the road where the the bad the contracts you acquire that are whatever, they fall off and eventually you just have a team of picks. And so that's why I do think that that could happen where if the Kings give up some type of... That's why the, the, the Lakers are in a situation where even though they have picks three, four years from now, they're still in talks because it's teams are willing to take that because whatever, you know, if they're rebuilding, they'll just sit on a future pick and take a contract. And so that's where the Kings are in the position right now where they have to look at. And 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 credit to Vignesh back because I want to give the full scope of what he said and kind of what other people on here are saying as well, is that there's the belief, Ryan, that there's not an all-star available and nobody really stands out. And that's why I think that I wanted you to kind of elaborate into more because I think you and I probably agree, like, all-star player, that would be great, but it might not necessarily be around also player because what you what I'm hearing you saying is that Dave L. Mitchell, although gr- good or not or whatever in his skill set, it's it's a it's a buried position right now, not being maximized. And if you can translate the quality or tier of player that Dave L. Mitchell is into a different position position, say at forward or center, where it's going to play more minutes and be more of value then that's going to be better for the Kings as far as where they're at now getting into the playoffs. Am I, am I hearing your take right? Yeah. Yeah. And let's be clear. I'm not advocating for Sacramento, Sacramento to move Davion Mitchell by any means, right? I'm not sitting here saying he needs to be on our trading block. He's a key piece. Move. All I'm saying is that's the situation that we're having right now, right? Is Davion Mitchell, albeit a, probably our, I, I would say our best defender for sure. 
Um, he plays a position where, you know, the team's probably best player is there, right? Like you can upgrade other areas. Um, and he's a, he's probably your strongest trade piece as far as, uh, you know, assets go moving towards the trade deadline. So, uh, yeah, I think you're spot on with what you're saying. And then, you know, uh, you know, I think people need to look at that. I think people need to look at the full scope of, of the Sacramento Kings roster and, uh, you know, uh, like, again, I'll, I'll reference those tweets that people have been saying, you know, Sacramento needs a defensive upgrade, but they're including their best defensive player in those trade pieces. I agree. I understand the mindset behind that tweet, but I think that um, you can upgrade the defense by moving your best defender. And I know it sounds crazy, but I think just his size and the position that he plays, like you said, being buried on the depth chart behind your best player. Um, I think there's ways that you can, you know, trade your best defender, get a bring in a a a, a bigger, more athletic, uh, lengthier guy, and upgrade the defense that way. If that makes sense. Well, it comes down to a basic problem in that the, we would all agree that there's there's a there are a couple areas here where the Kings need to improve. We all know that. Well, they're limited on what they can move as far as assets go. So really, there's only a couple different assets that they have that you're willing to move. And depending on how you combine them, that is going to yield better player or not. You know, So it's like there's only a couple combinations of things who, who what, what can happen here. And so when you start to go down the line, it's like protected future picks. Okay, that's there. Uh, Rashawn Holmes not playing his contract. Match to match salaries. Okay, that's that's probably in the piece. Terrence Davis, who's a protective player, fell out of rotation. He's in the mix. Davion Mitchell, a second year player who has a good skill set that a team might want to take in. Okay, he's he's there. Outside of that, you're you're right. You're you're kind of getting to a point now where I don't really see what's going on. I think that that a blockbuster trade in the NBA it are difficult to make. And where the Kings are at right now, in order to get some type of blockbuster trade, I just don't see them being willing to move multiple players in their rotation to make it happen. So I guess that's the dilemma, right? The Kings need to improve. Those are the guys. There's probably not a top star available, or if it is, we're not probably willing to make that move right away. So where are you at? And that's what's going to happen. And I think that when it comes down to it, things to be more minimal. You know, and I think as we get to the deadline, we've talked about there's other guys out there where when we get to a playoff run, adding another shooter, adding another guy who who can actually play in the rotation. I think the, that's what I said. The obvious one that always stands out is, is the front court because there really is nobody. They've tried different things. Thank God for Trey Lyles, which is crazy. You know, I mean, he's he's one guy who, okay, he can actually go in there and play a little bit in the front court. Besides that, Metu. Get plays, he doesn't, he's hurt, he's, he's in, he's out, right? They brought in Kata for a little bit from the G League, tried him out. Obviously, that's not that's not a real thing. So, Rashawn Holmes just can't even get on the court. And when he does, he looks lost. You know, he just does. I I intentionally pay attention to the guy. We, you know, we went to that Jazz game, and I was like, dude, you know, and he gets a couple shots. No one's on him. He gets passed. He gets his little floater in the lane. He always hits free throws. Okay. Gets a couple rebounds, bounces. But really, the impact's not there. So, like, it's it's de- it's almost desperate. Would you call the front court situation almost desperate? Like they can't go into it like this. It is, and I think that's Sacramento's one problem. That is, you know, there are a few games above five hundred. I think that's the one issue with them so far that they haven't been able to separate themselves from that pack that's roaming around the five through like ten seeds right now. It's 
you know, Sacramento's issue is DeMontis Sabonis, he fouls a lot, right? So at the end of the games, I mean, he's he's fouled out a bunch of times, but there's a lot of times where Sabonis has to go to the bench because of foul trouble. And Sacramento's running into issues with that big man who comes into the game, right? So if they can find a serviceable big man who can come in and eat minutes and doesn't just piss away a lead and, and have some positive uh, uh, to the game, I, th- I think that's going to be a huge plus for him. That's that's the one issue I've seen is DeMontis Simonis gets in foul trouble and there's nobody to come in and eat those minutes. And like you said, they've tried Kata, they've tried Metu, they've they've went to Trey Lyles, who, you know, great offensive game. I, I love Trey Lyles' offensive game, but let's be real. The guy's not a defender, he's not a rim protector, he's not a rebounder, right? And and when those are your deficiencies, as great as Trey Lyles is on the offensive end and, you know, the, the spacing that he brings and he's a great spark offensively at the end of the day, Sacramento doesn't need more offense. Sacramento needs rebounding and defense. Okay. So, you know, when Rashawn Holmes and Kata and Metu and Len, who they even tried to throw in the starting lineup against Jokic the other night against Denver, uh, you know, that, that shit's not working. Right. So you, you're, you're in desperate mode to try to fill those minutes. And that's a huge issue. You know, they Sacramento is literally, um, Sabonis hurting that thumb again to being a really, really average slash below, uh, you know, below the the playoff mark team because of their lack in the their lack of depth in the front court. They have to fix that. I, and I, I 100% agree. Desperate mode in the front court. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, desperate. That's where we're where I'm at, and I think. I don't know. I, I'm I'm optimistic. You know, where do you I don't know where the fans I think fans right now are too eager. They're really eager. I think people just see see the problem, fix problem right away. And I guess that's where I'm going at. Like they do have limited resources available. And if if they just want to pull off some bullshit player trade, they probably they're they're gonna be able to get that done. Okay, they're gonna do some bullshit player swap, absorb a contract and get it done. Is it going to make the difference? I don't know. You know, if they, it's going to be someone that they want, it's going to fit a value. It's going to take some time, and you're probably going to have to give up a little bit of something. And I guess to circle back, that's where I'm coming from. Davion Mitchell is the one enticing thing that you have on here, and that that's kind of I think where we're going with it. Yeah, let's. You you said it right. To get something, you got to give up something, right? NBA GMs aren't fucking idiots. Okay, this isn't just yeah. No, at the end of the day, they're really not though. Like they're they're. You know, it's it's the NBA. You don't people don't just don't give up free players for nothing. Okay, to get something, you got to give something, and that is something that Sacramento is not really used to, right? Like we're in a position for the first time in 17 years to where you know, holy shit, like we can actually we can actually make a run at this, right? Like we we're smacked up in the middle of you know the season as the five seed. You know. Um, if we want to improve the roster, people aren't just going to give them to us. There's going to be some type of risk. We got to give up something to get something. So keep that in mind as we're moving forward the next few weeks towards the trade deadline. Um, your guys' trade machine shit with you know us bringing back a player. This doesn't mean anything, but a player like you know OJ Anunby or whatever his name is from Toronto, right? I don't want to see you giving up Terrence Davis and the 7,000 second round picks that Sacramento owns over the next few years for that guy, right? Let's be realistic to bring a player of that caliber. It's going to take something. You're going to have to give something up to get something. So uh, moving forward, keep that in mind because that is a, 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 a something to, to, to recognize. It is. And that's where 
it's going to be interesting what's available. I think that as the trade machine stuff coming up, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at a player that is in the 12 to $18 million range. That's what I'm looking at. A 12 to $18 million player that is, uh, that's the target. Because when I, when I look at 12 to 18 million, that's, that's where I, you look at a package and it's, it's Mitchell Davis, uh, Holmes, Holmes, you know, if he had to, I guess, Lynn, whoever else contractor yeah, sitting yeah. on there, whatever, throw-ins. That's where guys get throw. That's where you get throw-ins. And so don't be mistaken too, Ryan. You said something there, but people just don't give up players. And sometimes people say, well, yeah, huh? You've seen plenty of trades. Well, sometimes when you give up a player, you may not be get the player in return, but you get cast base in return. So that's something too. As I said, to plant a seed as we go into it, we got to start looking. You got to start looking into the, the cap and those types of players middle tier guys because i don't know it doesn't even need to be a starter do you think it needs to be a starter that needs to come in um no i don't think it needs to be a starter and and obviously it doesn't need to be a starter because we've talked about we need somebody to back up some bonus and eat those minutes uh but it has to be an impactful player okay it can't just be um some random big men from some team you know one of the things that i've seen is mason Plumley. Okay, and and that's been a a big name, and people want to throw out his assist rate, whatever, because they're trying to compare it to what Sabonis does through the offense. Let's be real, Mason Plumlee comes here. We're not running the fucking offense through that guy. Okay, like so, I I'm not a fan of a move like that because at the end of the day, I don't think Mason Plumlee affects Sacramento as much in the win column and and boosts them to that next level to really separate themselves as the five seed in the playoffs. It needs to be an impactful player. I haven't looked through players available. Um, maybe I'll come next podcast a little more prepared on players uh, that I think would separate, you know, and make a real impact. But I don't think a Mason Plumley level guy is that guy. I think it's a step above him. Um, but I also don't think that Sacramento can bring a, a an OG from Toronto level. I, I don't think that's really reasonable. I think there's somewhere in the middle between OG and Mason Plumley. Um, that I, you know, maybe it's two players that Sacramento can bring in and kind of fill those voids. So, um, as we get closer to the trade deadline, we always come with that trade deadline special, um, and we will have real life scenarios that we think will play out, um, for Sacramento. We've been pretty good with the trade deadline specials. Yeah, you know, I, 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 I actually would take, I would take Plumley, but you know, I would not have to have a debate around him. Yeah, I, we'll I talk actually, about that later on. Yeah. Personally, though, for me, I'm kind of, I differ a little bit in that I, I just think it needs at this point. Without giving up too much, you're just trying to get someone who can play. So for me, I actually, that's why I said I would take a plumbing because for me, yes, I'd love to have that next year, but realistically, I just want someone who's going to come in here and actually play. I think the Kings are playing at times with one arm behind their back, and that's what with what you described, that that late, late game situations, those bad matchup games, the foul situation games, they don't have a full, they don't have a full deep rotation all the time. When that happens, and that's their problem. So for me, I see someone who can play. Well, there, there's nothing wrong with Plumlee as a as an NBA basketball player. What I'm saying, and what I've been seeing on tweets, is people have been throwing Mason Plumlee out there because they're like, "Well, look at his assist rate, right? Look at look at this." And people have to realize, okay, a backup big who comes in is not going to play the same role as Demontis Sabonis, okay. So you have to understand that it doesn't really matter that his assist rate, they're they're not going to run the offense through him, okay? I'm looking more for that specialty player, right? That player who comes in and their their number one attribute is either rebounding or rim protecting, okay? 
I don't see Mason Plumley as either of those. Would I be happy if Sacramento was able to bring in Mason Plumley for, uh, you know, uh, uh, a se- second round pick or two second round picks? Yeah, I'd be I'd be ecstatic. I, I think that's good value, but um, I, I want people to realize that you you bringing in a guy of Mason Plumley's caliber to fit Demontis Sabonis specific role is unreasonable. That's yeah, not to, a real thing to like do some half-assed version of what he yes. does. So there, and yeah. I saw that specific tweet today was look at Mason Plumlee's assist rate to this, blah, blah, blah. If they bring him in, they can, they don't have to change their offense. No, let's be real. Anytime that a second unit player comes in, the offense changes. The, the offense's focal point changes, right? So keep that in mind. I'm looking for, and I'm more curious into exploring options for somebody who has that specific quality rim protecting rebounding right so and we're we're going to jump in more into that but i think that's where people's mindset needs to shift focus towards and people have to start understanding that's a good take i'm going to keep you here for a second because i get what you're saying and i think it's worth elaborating on in that it's kind of what happened with Rashawn Holmes, right? When Rashawn Holmes got the full minutes, people were like, well, look what he can do, this and that. But then look what happened in a quick time when you he's playing limited minutes off the bench. Because he doesn't have that specialty skill set, it's hard to stick him in the rotation. And so that's something we've talked about over the years in that when you build a, a team, you have kind of core players who, who are elite and do their thing. But then as you start to round out your roster, you you they call them specialty players for a fucking reason. You know, the special specialty players, Ryan. There's the athletic uh multiple position guard guy. There's Malik Monk. There yeah, you go. There's, there's the, your there's specialty the, guy. Yep. There's the shooter. Okay. There's the uh backup point guard floor general stereotype guy. You know, the Corey Joseph. You know, dude. The we Corey, the Corey Joseph, yeah. The uh uh McConnell. Yep, yep, there yeah, you go. The JJ Beret is from back in the JJ day. JJ Beret is, yeah. Yeah, those guys, they can run a pick and roll, you know, and then you have the shot blocker, the big body rebounder. His back Biombo. There you go. Yeah. There's your specific your your specific player. Guys who can come on there and just put a seven foot body on another guy because he's he matches him in weight and size. So as you start to round out your team, that's what you're looking for. Because if you try to recreate the superstars skill set in bench form, like you said, it's it's not how they're going to be used, and so that's I, it's a good take. I, so I said it's, it's not it realistic. Worth- it's not realistic. You know, you can't expect a guy to come in and and replicate uh, an all star caliber's play, right? Like that's not that's not a thing. You know, that's like trying to find somebody for LeBron James, right? Who does so many different things on the court, and trying to find somebody as a backup player to come in and be like, you know what, we're going to run the offense through you. But we also need you to score, and we also need you to run the defense and set people up on the offense and do all these types. Of, that's not that's not a thing. So what you have to do is, uh, it, it's more of a collective thing. You have to find players that, um, you know, can collectively come in and 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 replicate what Sabonis does on the court, or where you can insert them. I think in you can insert them in different types of lineups at different points of the game and count them to do that one thing because that's what they do. They give like, you the versatility lineups, that, and that's something yeah. that you always talk about. That's why, like, I think in the NBA, like, the the on-ball wing 3 and D player, whether it's a guard or a forward, is so valuable because that's what they are by, like, nature is they can go in there and play defense and they can shoot, you know, and then they can do those. Uh, you can insert those guys in spotty throughout games. And, and so 
I think for the that's why for the big for the big man position, I think a lot of people get that though. I, I like to give credit to a lot of to a lot of the group think out there, Ryan, because that's why I like being a part of Kingsland. Um, I think that Kingsland has has a lot of people who have good takes out there that hone in on that. And I think that's what's happened is people recognize the Kings need uh they don't necessarily need to replicate. I think the minority is what you're saying. Somebody you need to replicate like the Sabonis production. I think people just recognize they need a big body. They need a shot blocker. They need someone else who could rebound, but um, you know, easier said than done. Like I said, to find that, find that guy out there is difficult. So sometimes it's like, just get. I think to start back to it, it's like, I just need, they need someone at this point who could fucking play. Cause if they don't address it, it's going to be problems. You cannot be counting on the Metus and the Kadas and all these guys. Uh, in March to down a playoff stretch. No, because and, that because at the end of the day, let's be real. In the playoffs, Jokic is playing 35, 36 minutes. Or how, how, what is it? No, he's playing more than that. He's playing 40 minutes a night, right? Like you're playing a majority of the games in the playoffs or more majority of the minutes in the playoffs. So if you have Sabonis who comes out there and has to play 32 minutes in a playoff game, that's a fucking L, right? Like that's an issue. In the playoffs, minutes ramp up. Guys play a majority of the time. Those rotations go from possibly 10 to 7, right? Players, 8 players max for, for playoff teams. So um, you have to fix that. You you have to figure something out to where, uh, you know, you can fill that role as best as possible. Because if you get in a situation where Sabonis have five, has 5 fouls in the third quarter, you're losing that fucking playoff game. Because Jokic isn't sitting in the third quarter. He's playing. It's a good take. It's a good take. And that's something to think about. I don't know who the player is. I think if anything, Ryan, that's that's what I'm gonna focus on. You you focus on is kind of down the stretch, um, among kind of like other things with the king. So I uh, uh, last thing I want to talk about though is just because it's trending, it's the whole all-star situation and in that the fact that the Kings players didn't uh make appearances on the fan vote. Um I heard your take the other day when we talked about it, so I'll let you bring it in after I hit this though. Like all I said is though is that I get it. It's bullshit. It is bullshit. And it's the way the NBA does it is dumb. But uh, I'm not surprised, though. Like, this has always been this way. You know, Yao Ming didn't even, wasn't even playing every, every year and so was getting voted in the All Star games. Um, you know, a couple years ago, Zaza Pachulia got votes over DeMarcus Cousins. It's like, it happens. It's stupid. It's just the way the systems. So I, I don't know. I, I think people out there, I get the frustration about it. But like, to be surprised, that's don't be surprised. <laughs> it just you can be pissed and irritated the way it works out, but not surprised. I think. Yeah, I think. Um, and specifically, what me and you talked about the other day was, I think what the NBA does right because you obviously the fan voting. The reason they're doing that is to get interaction. It's entertainment value. There's money in that, right? But what I think the NBA needs to do to fix that is, you know, limit the amount of people that you can vote for, right? Like come up with 50 players that are all-star eligible and then allow fans to vote on those players. Cause let's be real, man. Kavon Looney was in the top 10 players in the Western conference. And that's fucking crazy. That makes no sense to me at all. So um, I do like the fan voting aspect just because it allows engagement. Allow it's fun, man. Let's be real. How many posts have we seen over the last few weeks from Kingsland people? Hey, vote for them, vote for this. But at the same time, 
as much as I like the engagement, at the same time, I go look at Kingsland's people who are posting votes on there, and those same people are voting for Keegan Murray. They're voting for Malik Monk. They're voting for Kings Kings players, and that's not right. Okay, That takes away from players like Sabonis and Fox. So for all these people that are complaining about Sacramento players not being on that top 10 um, you know, or on the first fan votes, whatever, at the same time, you're guilty of it as well because you're voting. I saw somebody voted for fucking Justin Jackson. Somebody posted on Kingsland that Justin Jackson, they put in there and voted for him on fan voting. You're part of the problem, people, right? So I don't want to I don't want to see you complain about Fox and Sabonis not being on there when you're voting for Justin Jackson, when you're voting for past Sacramento Kings players that don't deserve it at all. So there is a fix to this. I think I think the NBA can again limit the amount of player or limit the players that you can vote for, right? Like go go find guys who meet that criteria and put them in there. Um, and that's a way to fix it. But um, that is, that has been a pet peeve of mine. I've been seeing people complain, but at the same time on Kingsland, I've been seeing motherfuckers vote for Justin Jackson, bro. That's a real thing. Go look on Kingsland. It's on there. That's hilarious. Well, if you see Kevin, come on, Looney, that's one Austin Reeves. That's a whole nother thing. Fucking that's, you know, seeing, seeing guys like that, but I, I don't know. It, it's what the all-star game. I remember uh, years ago, five, six years ago, uh, Lillard, dude, twenty six points a game. Didn't didn't get into the All Star game. I think that might have been the year they got to the Western Conference Finals. I'd have to run it back, but yeah, you know, it, it is what it is. It's just some bullshit. Um, before we wrap the episode, Ryan, uh, I saw this the other day. The Kings are the Kings' uh, season uh, over under for wins was thirty two and a half. I think is what I got thirty one and a half. Maybe I might have got it at. I have to look. Uh, what are the Kings at twenty twenty first win? So ah. Uh, the over might actually hit. So fuck you, Vegas. I just want to bring that out because I was scrolling through Kingsland. I saw that post and uh, just just one one step closer. So um, nothing more to add, Ryan. We'll be back on soon. Uh, good episode. Lots to talk about. I mean, I, I think that the, the next month is going to be exciting with the trades. The Kings are trending, you know, just keeping the right direction. So, hey, guys, we appreciate you listening in. If you ever want to interact or be a part of the show, you can always do so by tagging us. You can find Ryan and I on Twitter and Facebook at Kingscast Eric and Kingscast Ryan where we're active. Uh, if you want to support the show, please slide down on Apple Podcasts or slide up on Spotify to leave us a five-star review. It does help us reach more Kings fans just like you, and we'll always read those reviews and give you a shout-out on the show. And if you want to check us out more, you can find us on the Believe Podcast Network, where we are the Sacramento Kings signature show. So with that, for Ryan, this is Eric. Go Kings. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.